you are listening to a podcast from The National. This is the Business Extra podcast. My name's Chris Nelson, and with me is co-host Kelsey Warner. Welcome, Kelsey. Hello, Chris. Later, we'll talk to the Nationals' Rory Reynolds about the new rules issued by the Ministry of Human Resources and Emiratisation in the past few days that allow husbands, fathers and sons sponsored by their family to apply for work permits for the first time. But first, here are some of the business stories that made the headlines in the past week. Abu Dhabi is setting up a 600 million dirham fund to attract entertainment and business events to the Emirate as part of wider plans to spur economic growth, draw foreign investors and boost tourism. The new fund by Abu Dhabi's Department of Culture and Tourism will finance projects in the event sector and is expected to yield returns of more than 1.6 billion dirham for the local economy, the authority said on Tuesday. Almost three-quarters of recruiters consider online jobs websites the quickest and easiest way to hire talent in the Middle East, a new poll from Bait.com found. 73% of respondents to the Middle East job portal's online recruitment in the MENA region study agree that online recruitment has eased the hiring process, while nearly half said their company is looking to hire in the next three months. More than 6,500 people across the region were polled between May and July. Mubadala Investment Company recorded a significant rise in both comprehensive income and assets under management in 2018, as Abu Dhabi's strategic investment arm continued to invest globally despite tough market conditions and macroeconomic headwinds. Comprehensive income increased 21% in fiscal 2018 to 12.5 billion dirham from a year earlier, Mubadala said in its annual review released on Monday. In line with its strategy to diversify its investment base, Mubadala monetized a number of its mature assets, realizing a total of 55.4 billion dirhams in funds, it said. The value of merger and acquisition deals in the Middle East quadrupled in the first half of 2019, driven by domestic transactions as global trade tensions and economic uncertainty spurred companies to expand at home. The total value of transactions involving the Middle East jumped to 104.4 billion US dollars in the first six months of the year, up from 19.8 billion in the same period last year. It's more than five times, according to a report by law firm Baker McKenzie. However, the number of transactions dipped 3% year on year to 233. Singapore's sovereign wealth fund GIC is investing in Abu Dhabi National Oil Company's pipeline infrastructure investment scheme alongside BlackRock and KKR as co-investors, pushing the total deal value to about 5 billion US dollars, around 20 billion dirham. GIC, which has more than 100 billion dollars in assets in 40 countries, is investing 600 million dollars in the crude pipeline infrastructure, Adnock said on Tuesday. The follow-on investment will give GIC a 6% stake in the new formed entity, Adnock Oil Pipelines. Sharjah's Dana Gas said payments for its operations from a JV in Iraq's Kurdistan region rose 74% in the first half of the year. The energy producer was paid $80 million in dividends from Pearl Petroleum, in which it has a 35% stake. Pearl Petroleum, which is majority owned by Dana Gas and its parent Crescent Petroleum, made the payments from sales in, in the Kurdish region of Iraq. Dubai's financial services regulator fined a barrage group-affiliated companies $315 million for unauthorized activities and misusing investors' monies. 
In a statement on Tuesday, the Dubai Financial Services Authority imposed a $299 million fine and a $15 million penalty on Abraj Investment Managers Limited and Abraj Capital Limited, respectively. The DFSA said it started an investigation into the now defunct private equity firm in January 2018, which was across multiple jurisdictions. Abraj Investment Management Limited, a Cayman Islands company now in provisional liquidation, which managed Abraj funds, carried out unauthorized financial services including fund management within and from the Dubai International Financial Center, and that actively misled and deceived investors in Abraj funds over an extended period, the regulator said in its investigation. The London Stock Exchange said it was in discussions to acquire financial data analytics provider Refinitiv for $27 billion, including debt. The deal would come less than a year after buyout company Blackstone acquired a majority stake in Refinitiv from Thomson Reuters, valuing the company at the time at $20 billion, including debt. The group said it would pay for the deal with newly issued LSE shares as currency, turning Refinitiv's existing investors into LSE shareholders who would own about 37% of the combined company and hold less than 30% of the voting rights. U.S. government test pilots running through various flight scenarios for the Boeing 737 MAX over the past few weeks revealed a potential failure in the grounded aircraft, but the plane maker and industry insiders claim it's software rather than hardware that's at fault. The jet's flight system attempted to push down the plane's nose repeatedly during simulator tests, prompted by incorrect flight data, Bloomberg reported. The Federal Aviation Administration, the US regulator, concluded that pilots may not have enough time to react and avert a tragedy in a real scenario. This flaw, revealed by the FAA recently, created further uncertainty about when Boeing's best-selling aircraft will return to service. German airline Lufthansa posted a decline in second-quarter earnings, hurt by price competition on short-haul routes in Germany and Austria, as well as rising fuel costs. Europe's biggest airline groups had adjusted earnings before interest and tax fell to 754 million euros, compared to 1 billion euros a year earlier, Reuters reported. Fuel costs were 255 million euros higher than in the previous year, it said. Lufthansa said it expected the European market to remain challenging until at least the end of this year. Joining me now in the studio is The National's Rory Reynolds to talk about the new work permits. Hey, Rory. Thank you for welcoming Welcome me to, to your the show. pod. <laughs> <laughs> so the new work permit rules are uh, going to allow companies to hire men sponsored by their family. Um, a work permit, also known as a labor card among the citizenry, is cheaper than providing a full employment visa, which by law must come with medical insurance. So before, only women, typically sponsored by their husbands or parents, were eligible for work permits. And now this new rule changes that. So, Rory, can you talk a little bit about who who's winning in this new scenario? So who benefits uh, is very interesting. I mean, um, there's been a series of changes to labor visa regulations. So this is the latest in a series of um, quite significant changes to the way labor law works and to the way that uh, this country lets people come here to work. So suddenly you've got a situation where... Um, 
you know, you're moving here to become a teacher or another sort of professional, and you can bring your trailing husband as the re relocation uh, kind of companies uh, call it. Whether um, he wants to or not. Whether he wants to or not. <laughs> and, and previously, only a woman in that situation would have been able to work, which was a, a sort of a long hangover, um, uh, which is to do with the way families sponsor their daughters. But uh, never mind. The... The situation is now um, that man can uh, can work on his wife's visa without having to be separately sponsored be, be separately by their sponsored. new employer. So, right. In my, I mean, I'm, in my case, when my husband got a job in Abu Dhabi, I thought, what a terrific opportunity for me to follow you and also get a job in Abu Dhabi. And uh, under my first employment contract, I was actually sponsored. I maintained my sponsorship from my husband because it was less paperwork for my new employer, less money. Uh, and it just sort of worked out for our household as well. And chances are, you know, the, the medical insurance that your husband's on might have been better than the company you're working Correct. for, for example. So uh, what ended up, hap what ends up happening now is I could have been the first one to get a job in my household and struck out for Abu Dhabi and had Kyle follow me out uh, and gotten a job with a new work permit without um, having to get new sponsorship. And I guess there's, there's, a, there's another aspect to it as well, the purely human aspect that, you know, Previously, if 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 a, uh, let's say if, uh, a lady had a had a, an opportunity to work in this country but didn't want to leave or didn't want to split the family, it may well have you know spurred her not to do so. Right. So it, we wouldn't have had to leave Kyle behind in Boston. Well, exactly, yeah, right. you, which you wouldn't have done. Presumably. No, exactly. No. So, <laughs> so it's a double win, really. So it right. So it basically uh, evens out the dynamic. Uh, along with the, the the sort of symbol of equality, which I think is is not to be overlooked, is also this idea that you you have um, a husband uh, or a son, indeed, we'll come on to that, um, who is flexible. You know, they can be looking for a short term contract. They can be looking for a job with a, a tech startup that can't necessarily afford mm -hmm. um, to take somebody on and pay six, seven, eight thousand uh, for the visa and medical insurance. They can take you on. You're already on your wife's uh, visa, and you can get start working straight away. It also means you don't have to wait for weeks and weeks while the visa processes. So if you're a startup or a tech company, you're looking for people who are mobile, you kind of move, you know, get down at the desk and, you know, get started. Yeah. It, it's very helpful. So um, that brings me on to Sons. Now, for, for a long time, and expats been, who've been here for a long time will know that um, uh, when you get to, when your son gets to 18, they are no longer part of the family, effectively, in that you can't sponsor them to live with you and that they have to find their own way in the world. So they have to find a job. Uh, that gives them a visa, or they have to go to university, and there are university visas as well. Or if you go to university abroad and come back, you need a visa straight away. And so um, this um, this allows um, that young person to start working. It's actually a great uh, sort of start for a graduate to be able to hit the ground running. Um, you know, you're a, you're a company, you're looking to save on costs. Would you take this person who's straight out of university and invest heavily in a visa? Perhaps not. Um, but if millennials are very flighty. Yeah, millennials tough, are fighting. Tough to they, pin them down. They might not like the job. Uh, right. might, and, and, you know, let's face it, it might not work out. You, you might hire someone straight from university. You decide it's not for you. Um, so this is interesting because kind of what you're talking about is creating a more agile workforce for the UAE as well and one that doesn't depend on those three-year visa-based contracts. Exactly. Something that's more flexible uh, and actually works with the makeup of typical families in the mm. UAE. Exactly. And the current situation is a, a bit of a hangover from the past in that, um, you know, you were tied to your company and it wasn't that long ago companies uh, gave you your housing um, and that they pay for your children to go to school and that it was quite a big deal to, to move mm -hmm. jobs. It is becoming a more agile workforce, a more mature workforce uh, sure. as well that you, you might describe it as. So your desk has been actually doing a lot of reporting this week uh, on this new 
reform or extension. Can you talk a little bit about any examples of uh, UAE residents who you've talked to? So you've got an interesting situation now where uh, visa regulations have relaxed uh, in sort of several in a series of kind of changes. Um, so you have the labor card changes this week. You have this um, situation a couple of months ago um, whereby the, the authorities no longer ask your job title when you um, apply to sponsor somebody. Okay. Previously, you were expected to be a sort of a managerial kind of class. Um, Sometimes, uh, I believe teachers qualified, sort of managers, executives qualified, but you know, ordinary working people wouldn't necessarily be able to sponsor their family. Uh, and that's where you get the situation of um, a, a lot of men coming to work here, a lot of bachelors, as the, uh, as the sort of phrase goes. So now you're in a situation where you can, um, as long as you have enough money, 4,000 dirhams uh, minimum, 3,000 with accommodation, um, you could bring uh, a relative over, you could bring um, a male relative who can now work based on this week's situation, uh, this week's change. You could bring your parents over and the father could work. That wasn't the case last week. So suddenly you're able to create more of a family unit and you're also able to sponsor people who wouldn't have been able to come to this country and work in the first place. Now you couple that with significantly um, declining rent as well. And you're currently, you know, you're in a situation where a family can move here as a whole mm. and live and work together. And you, there are some examples uh, in Dubai where, you know, one bedroom apartments are as little as sort of 30, mid 30,000. Mm. So there's a professional driver, the few of um, uh, my colleagues who's in the office, and I was speaking to him about the changes in visa rules. He's from southern India. And um, he put it like this. So the, the changes in job title mean that he, he's not a professional manager. Um, he's suddenly able to um, sponsor his family to let, to invite them to come over to the country to live with him. He made the point that uh, rents are falling significantly where he lives um, in places like Discovery Gardens uh, in Dubai, which is a sort of, you know, sort of middle-income, middle-to-low-income working community. So he can afford to bring his family over, he can afford to house them, um, then extended members of his family could also work here. So his father, he can now sponsor his father, and his father can get a labor card and work as well. So um, you suddenly got more of a family unit living together, working together. Uh, and um, I think that gives you an idea of the, you know, how it's affecting kind of ordinary people. I think also, you know, uh, as, as we said a little earlier, that that um, ability to bring in your extended family um, not only benefits the, the people involved, but of course has a, a, a wider local and national um, uh, lifting effect, a, a, lifting a real effect. lifting effect yeah. on just your day to day life. Well, yeah, and economically speaking, mm -hmm. you know, the more people there are, the more stuff's bought. <laughs> I mean, that's right. I mean, we, as we've reported, there is a there is a surplus of, of housing being built. Um, which is great for consumers because it means the costs have gone down. But there is there are there are plenty of homes in Dubai. It is a fast-growing city, and indeed the rest of the UAE as well. Um, so it, it wants more people to come in, and it's a very busy, active labor market. It is indeed. So it's so that's interesting. It's, we're talking increasing affordability of the cities that we live, and uh, increasing opportunities for families to come and live. So really, we're creating a more conducive environment for long-term. It's, it's just sort of interesting that while we're creating a more agile workforce, we're actually helping families kind of put down roots as well at the same time. Which all benefits the economy, of course. Mm -hmm. It does. Uh, you get less of this idea that the man works abroad or the woman works abroad or that the children are sent off home at some point. Um, and also that um, you might have elderly parents that you look after um, uh, who would live with you as well so so yeah, it is it's a, not that your parents have to work is it I mean, no it's it's, ju it's just the option to mm -hmm. which which is now possible and then 
continuing that, we obviously go back to the 10-year visa, um, which is seen as a way to attract um, people who own assets, wealth, um, uh, to the country and see this as kind of a long-term prospect. As you could say, all of the visa changes make the country appear a, you know, a more of a long-term prospect mm-hmm. to, to people abroad mm-hmm. and people already here, obviously. And how much does, does the new um, Labour card cost? So the starting fee is about 300 dirhams. And what the Labour Ministry said, the previous card was always from about 300, but would run up to about as much as 5,000. It depends on the sort of industry you have, and it depends on the person, what job they do. Um, but if you compare that to the cost of a visa, uh, which is something like five, 6,000 dirhams, depending on the free zone and, and so on, uh, it's very favorable. And you know, a startup you know, looking very carefully about how much they can afford um, you know, would be more likely to say, we can take a chance on this person. Um, you know. Yeah, and I think I think it's it's a it's a very um, important point that idea that startups uh, are are um, much more able to engage with young talent um, uh, in, in that sense. Given that you know the push in this country is very much towards uh, you know startups, particularly within technology and uh, developing technologies here. So that obviously um, all helps to sort of open up that route of, of talent um, into this country and retaining talent if talent is developed here to retain it. Well, I think, I think it's only relatively recently that you would see very young people here working in a professional workplace. Uh, you don't see that many 22, 23, 25-year-olds. Uh, like a lot of my friends when they move here were at sort of early 30s minimum, if not mid-30s. They'd, they'd work somewhere else for 10 years. You're starting to see more young professionals. Um, and I think you're starting to see companies take a bit more of a chance on, on young people coming out of university, particularly because they tend to be a bit more technology savvy. Pro- let's face it, they're probably cheaper. Um, you don't have to pay um, for their children to go to school or for, uh, you know, and, and so forth. It, it, I think it, it creates kind of a... Um you know, a, a self-fulfilling um, positive pro- property, doesn't it? You know, because if you come here young, uh, the tech tech company, startup tech companies want you because you're cheap and because you're good and because you're obviously up to date because you're young. So you come here, the startup flourishes under all the various um, opportunities that this country provides. And of course, the person who's come here to work for them then rises through the company. R- again, more reason to stay where they are and more reason to develop that company mm-hmm. here. And people are starting to see the benefits. I mean, Kareem was a great, um, this is the example everyone uses, but Kareem was a great success story and in that it was bought for a huge amount of money and that the people who worked for it, presumably who'd started off, you know, half a dozen of them in an office, um, were suddenly rewarded with the, the dividend um, that was paid to them when they were bought by Uber. Right. Uh, hundreds of paper millionaires uh, Indeed. Cur- and, and currently and fi- residing in the UAE this year <laughs> until the deal goes final in which they become actual, perhaps, cash millionaires. But I want to talk a little bit more about the signals that this is kind of a maturing labor market um, and creating uh, family units that are can be more reactive to their family situations because of these work permits. So before, with kind of women only being allowed to access work permits, that meant they bore the burden household-wise of becoming stay-at-home moms. This actually opens up uh, paternity leave possibilities as well. DIFC last month announced required paternity leave access to all of their companies. Uh, it seems like a real shift in uh, how the UAE is conceptualizing how a household is run, and it opens up opportunities that I think will improve quality of life for many parents who kind of look at their new scenarios and are trying to be more flexible, and it brings dads into the fore. 
So I think it's really exciting. But what have you heard from the business community this week? So one of the things our um, finance columnist, Karen, um, was talking about the other day when I was talking this story through with her, um, she was saying that getting a part-time job uh, as a mum or as a father um, is, is becoming much more common here. Uh, part-time jobs didn't really used to exist mm-hmm. uh, until the last couple of years. Uh, and that is companies recognizing um, that things are changing at home and also um you know the more flexible workplace in 2019 yeah a part-time work actually suggests to me a more knowledge-based economy as well because it's companies being smarter about maybe the discrete tasks that they need to get done say software development uh, graphic design uh, bookkeeping so those things are really you know those are an educated class those are educated class jobs full-time work it's just it's an it's an interesting way of looking at a changing work landscape in the UAE and how maybe companies are being even more responsible too with their with their overhead and their headcount budgets. Thanks very much for your time, Rory. Thank you, Rory. Thank you for having me. That was the Business Extra podcast. Many thanks to my co-host, Kelsey Warner. Thank you, Chris. Please do subscribe and drop us a review if you feel like it. Join us again next week.